Before we get started on Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine, we'd like to tell you about the Miracle Moments Luncheon to benefit Easter Seals UCP Port Health. Earfluence, which produces this podcast, is a proud sponsor, and we'd like you to join us May 1st, 2024 at 1130 Eastern Time at the Hilton Garden Inn in Cary. This event helps raise funds and awareness for the life-changing direct services provided to more than 40,000 children, adults, and families living with disabilities, mental health, and substance challenges so they can live their best lives. We'll put more information on Easter Seals and the luncheon in the show notes, but again, that's Wednesday, May 1st at 1130 at the Hilton Garden Inn in Cary, and we hope to see you there. Attention bourbon lovers, are you ready for a taste sensation like no other? Old Raleigh Distillery, recently awarded Best Micro Distillery in the U.S., invites you to experience the art of whiskey blending firsthand. Located just east of Raleigh in downtown Zebulon, the distillery specializes in premium, micro-batched bourbon, and limited-release whiskeys. Visit the tasting room Tuesday through Sunday to savor a wide variety of whiskeys, specialty cocktails, wine, and beer. And don't miss a chance to peek behind the curtain with a tour of the blending operation every Saturday and Sunday at 1 and 2 p.m. For more information and to plan your visit, visit oldraleydistillery.com. Follow on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Old Raleigh Distillery for exclusive updates and behind-the-scenes content. Old Raleigh Distillery, where every sip tells a story. Brunch has always been solid, but over the last six to eight months, it has doubled in volume. The funny part is he goes, if I don't make reservations a week in advance, I'm on the phone trying to beg to get in to get a table. And he said, the last time we went, we had the corner of a table. Literally, we had the whole table. We shared a table just to get in the door. You're listening to Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine. I'm host Gina Stevens. You may know Raleigh Magazine, but what you may not know is how we get our stories. It's all inside baseball, from living our lives and having conversations in our city. You'd be surprised what people will tell us. So this podcast is where we give you inside access to the behind-the-scenes scoop, things that were too hot to print or too much to fit in the magazine, basically what's left on the editing room floor. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to take a moment to recognize all of you who are sending us messages about the show, and especially those of you who are leaving reviews. We truly appreciate it. Our Apple Podcast Review of the Week comes from TaskRabbitLover5588. Love this podcast. These ladies are also wonderful storytellers and get me interested in topics I didn't know I was interested in. Thanks, TaskRabbit. If you want to have your review read on our podcast, head to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. With me today is Editor-in-Chief Melissa Hausam, and we're talking about one of our favorite topics, brunch. Brunch is by no means a new concept, but it's become serious business in the last two years here in Raleigh. And so we really wanted to dig into why its popularity has skyrocketed. Yeah, so, I mean, I think brunch is one of those things that people indulge in they don't think a lot about, or they think, like, this is the craze of it is, like, the millennial Gen Z craze. Um, Do it for the gram, you know, take your pretty pictures of your avocado toast. And for me personally, like, as we got into this, how this all came to be, I've been in Raleigh a long time, obviously, if you listen to us, you know that, and I just have my go-tos, right? And so a couple months ago, I was like, I like, what are the best brunch patios in Raleigh? Somebody tell me, Raleigh Magazine tell me, right? So I Google it, 
And I couldn't believe no one had done it. People had done best patios in Raleigh. We had. People had done best brunches in Raleigh. We also had. No one had done best brunch patios. And so I get very excited. And I come into work, and I'm like, we have to answer my question so I know where to go so I'm not stuck in my rut. And this is where I really have to give you credit with how this story kind of came to be and evolved from that point because I was just stuck on my patio. <laughs> she didn't feel that way that day. I can no. tell you she makes it sound like she's uh, easy to change her mind. I, I agree. Sometimes. Brunch has always been popular. But the reality is it had changed. I mean, I, went, I dropped in at Coquette with a friend, and it was a two-hour wait at 11 o'clock, and it's like things were crazy. I felt like something had changed and something was driving the force, and so I was interested in the business piece behind it. And there really has been sort of a, when you say a perfect storm, it sounds like a, a negative thing, but the perfect storm in this case was our liquor laws were updated. It became easier to enjoy a Bloody Mary and a mimosa before noon. We live in the Bible Belt, folks. And along the same lines, during the pandemic, church went online. Mm-hmm. And so you could watch it you know, at 7 a.m. or at 3 p.m., and you didn't have to be at church at 11 a.m. and then eat lunch after. So the combination of those two things, I felt like, had sort of pushed it and was driving it. Mm-hmm. Both of our favorite brunches one that certainly made the list and is a fave is Hummingbird. And, you know, Colleen, I think, said it best and explained it in a way that, that I hadn't even thought about. But she said during the pandemic, people started hunkering down at home more with early bedtimes, and brunch offered an early-to-bed option. You could have the fun dinner experience early in the day. She meant day drinking. But without the formalities, and it all happened before sundown. And so brunch really exploded here in Raleigh. Yeah, you you did describe really the perfect storm. You have the ability to drink before noon. You have the flexibility with church. And now you have this cultural shift where people got used to going to bed early. And not to mention day drinking means less hangovers. So you get to have all the fun without all the headache, literally. And I think one of the things you said to me when you were really interested in the business aspect of it was, think like, really think about it. Like, you were pushing me to think about it, and you were like, it used to be the Friday night reservation or the Saturday night reservation, and where were you going to go, and how long would you wait, and how far out would you plan that meal? And, you know, some of that still exists. I tried to go to dinner at Trophy Pizza with my uncle a couple weeks ago, and it was two-hour wait. So that's not gone. But it's also a lot easier to get reservations at dinner time now and to walk in a lot of places. But brunch is serious business, literally. You don't just walk in for brunch. All the places we covered recommend reservations on any given Sunday. You know, wait lists and reservations, they're hard, they're hard to get. You can't wait to the last minute. I know places like Hummingbird actually leave a couple of seats available. Colleen told me that specifically. They don't want to turn people away. Um, But you're going to wait. I I presume you're not just going to walk in and sit down, obviously. And she said something else that was interesting to sort of sum up that whole idea, which is that brunch has always been solid. But over the last six to eight months, it has doubled in volume, she said. And many restaurants, another side of this, is they stopped doing lunch during COVID and they haven't brought it back. So brunch is offering people that fix uh, of something else that disappeared and that's kind of taking the place of that. And, you know, she said now for Hummingbird, brunch is their breadwinner. I mean, that is big business. For another podcast, but I want lunch to come back. There's some places that get away with lunch <laughs> that I am 
you know, I'm tired of eating at the same places for lunch every day. I'm ready for some of our, some other places to come back. But, but you're right. We had our uh, pop-up gin for the win, last pop-up gin for the win party Tuesday night and ran into one of my foodie friends and he was saying his wife is obsessed with brunch at Hummingbird. And he said, the funny part is he goes, if I don't make reservations a week in advance, I'm on the phone trying to beg to get in, to get a table. And he said, the last time we went, we had the corner of a table. Literally, we oh. had the whole table. We shared a table <laughs> just to get in the door. But, you know, uh, you know, we're, we're in that, that month that there is, you know, Derby and Mother's Day and graduations, mm-hmm. high school and college. And, um, and brunch is big. I told my kids that they're off the hook, that this year, um, Mother's Day, not off the hook completely, but they're off the hook (laughs) brunch because it's the day after the Kentucky Derby. And as we've said before, I'm having a party. So breakfast early in the morning is not going to be something I want to do. Yeah. So my parents are invited to the party this year. Apparently they were invited last year and I didn't, you know, sorry, mom and dad. But anyway, they're coming this year. My mom even got a hat, by the way. And so, um, so... (laughs) I told my mom. So first of all, I dropped the ball last year. I don't know. I think it was all the excitement of like uh, my Why first... Hill saved her. Sarah, yes. Call it shout out to, <laughs> shout Sarah, out to Sarah, Sarah. Why Hill. So it's like April. My parents are in Florida visiting my grandmother, and I'm suddenly like it's the end of April, and I'm suddenly like, oh shit, we don't have Mother's Day reservations. And I'm telling you, you name a restaurant, and I will tell you there was not a reservation. And so. Probably like yeah, that weekend, and I think we're a week or two out for Mother's Day still. Lauren and I went to a Heights House media event like right before they opened. And then we went over to Y Hill for brunch. And I'm lamenting to Sarah that my poor mother can't go to brunch for Mother's Day. And she's like, oh, we haven't opened our reservations yet because we're doing a special menu. And then we're going to open the reservations. And I was like, yeah, look, there's none. And she was like, because we just haven't opened them yet. So she was like, I got you. I got you covered. So I got to take my parents to Y Hill for brunch, which, of course, is one of the best patios in town. And now this year I'm trying to tell my mom, like, hey, mom. Maybe we could have brunch on Saturday because I'm sure you're not going to want to go the day after Gina's Derby Which party. what that really means is she hasn't made a reservation <laughs> this year. She did not learn her I lesson. <laughs> a local icon since 1949 and where Raleigh comes to celebrate, savor, and enjoy. Village District is celebrating 75 years of tradition and taste. You can join the celebration for their 75th anniversary on Saturday, April 20th from 3 to 8 p.m. on Woodburn Road. Enjoy live music, pop-ups, a kid-friendly area, and the launch of their Village 75 beer, exclusively brewed by Standard Beer and Food. For more event details and other Village District happenings, you can follow Village District on Instagram at shopvillagedistrict, visit their website at shopvillagedistrict.com, or sign up to receive texts by texting the word VILLAGE to 919-701-0202. I will give you a tip. If you want to impress someone with your brunch knowledge, there is a place that is launching brunch that hasn't opened reservations yet and is going to take reservations, and it could be for graduation, Mother's Day, Derby, Father's Day, whatever, um, a Verde. Katsuji's decided to add lunch and brunch, and they just told me yesterday. So that is for somebody who's still looking for a way to— um, maybe they got in trouble at Mother's Day, and now they're trying to make it right. Right? There Do you, you know if they're going to have huevos? Rancher? Oh yeah. Oh is, yeah. It's yeah. a hard, hard dish to find around. That's these what parts. I'm told. But you know, I I was thinking about it when we were we were writing this story. Don't you wonder who the genius was that took 
breakfast and lunch and made brunch the first yes. time. That's, I'm sure you know this piece of trivia. You, that's actually really where you got me because I think we make a really good partnership because, you know, I'm sometimes really interested in the more like— I don't know. The surface cult- level? Yeah, well, the cultural <laughs> aspect or the socialization aspect of it. Like, why are we doing these things? And you're interested in the business part of it. And then you kind of marry these things together and you get these beautiful stories. And they're fun and they're lively and they appeal to a lot of people. And so where this got me actually wasn't the business. It was the history. And it was something I never thought about. And so um, I had to give credit to Liz because she's overhearing our conversation and she's already Googling it. And then she's like, Melissa, come in here, come in here. And then she's like, look at this. And I see it. And I'm like, okay, holy shit. First of all, brunch was started as a boys club. Circa of course it was. early, right? 1900s um, for college men, to be fair, women weren't really going to college at that point, but who woke up late. Like these, you know, affluent men, I guess, who couldn't be bothered to wake up, got to have their brunch. And then from there, not long after, there's prohibition. And so this is taking up steam, but it was in the home. And I think that's where like the brunch cocktails really took off because they were cloaking the alcohol. So that's where you get your OJ and your mimosa, your tomato juice and your Bloody Mary. And, you know, we could go through the whole thing. You should read the story. But uh, from there, we'll just hop way through over to the 80s and you got IHOP. And now you've got a juggernaut. You've got mainstream middle America. And you've got everybody from here to kingdom come having pancakes on Sunday. And then from there, of course, it blossoms into the more casual, elevated, special, you know, chefs and kitchens. And there's a cultural shift kind of happening at that point with all of food, you know, and all the meals. Well, I think it's surprising. And and you talked about it with what Colleen said. The idea that brunch is now the breadwinner. I mean, Mm -hmm. it used to be Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even Sunday dinner was your Mm -hmm. breadwinner. And the fact that they're making, you know, restaurants are opening and immediately opening with brunch. It's not something that's added on after lunch or mm-hmm. later on. It's it's part of their plan from the beginning. That's true because also there's some that we covered that only have brunch. They don't have Sunday dinner service. Right. So, I mean, and many have it on Saturday now. And if you think we're making much ado about nothing, there are 33.2 million hashtag brunch post on Instagram. (laughs) 33.2 million. So we really aren't. Time to add the mix into the mix of your go-to hot spots with signature craft cocktails and neat pours, 12 rotating craft beers and eight rotating fine wines, plus cider and bubbles. The mix has the perfect pour for everyone. Take flight with beer, wine, whiskey, mezcal, and tequila. Or not in the spirit? Craft cannabis gummies and high seltzers also invite. Sprawl out on the patio, post up on the couch with your laptop on a weekday, catch the big game on multiple TVs, or cozy up in the wine library for an upscale paired tasting. Weekly events keep the good times coming from tastings to live music and more. For the full lineup of events and offerings, visit bottlemix.com. Yes, with two X's, so that's bottlemixx.com. So we started working on this story. There was one rule. It must have the trifecta. It needed to have good food, good patio, um, and good drinks, or it didn't make the list. Exactly, because, of course, we were still going to do the patios, right? So Gina and I uh, sat there and went through every brunch spot in the city, downtown, North Raleigh, east-west, and it, in order to make the cut, 
it had to have that trifecta. And so we landed on 13. Uh, we really didn't push the number. It really just kind of magically happened that these were our 13. So you're going to have to grab an issue to find out what they are, but we'll give you a sneak of a couple. Um, one that I think will surprise a lot of people is St. Rock. Um, so Sonny Gerhardt just got nominated for the James Beard Award. So obviously that's a restaurant that a lot of people want to go to right now. I don't know how many people even know they have brunch, but I think most people don't know that they have a patio. I didn't know it. Yeah, when we were talking about it, it was like kind of news to both of us. And so it's on Wilmington Street and there is a cutout in the front with some outdoor seating. That's not what we're talking about. Exactly. There is a patio in the back. It's kind of a hidden gym. And usually the only way you get to sit there is if you know about it and ask for it. So that's definitely one. And, of course, he's serving a beard-nominated Cajun brunch. So, you know, go there. The other one for me that I think isn't one people would have immediately come to mind is Plates. Um, head chef David Mitchell is there. He's doing some incredible things. The food is—the the menu's constantly rotating. You're not going to get the same brunch menu every weekend. So one of, one of my favorite dishes, for example, like I don't even know if it's going to be on the menu when I go there. And what's unique about them is they have— breakfast Wednesday to Friday, and then they have brunch Saturday and Sunday. So some of those dishes are actually also on the weekday menu. Which which it makes me sound boring to always lean back to the business end of it, but I have a lot of clients who will say, let's meet for breakfast. You feel like your options are limited, so we put together a list of places that were sort of our go-tos that we recommend, and obviously a place at the table made the list. I'm not mm-hmm. going to give you all of them, but, but Big Ed's and the Farmer's Market, I don't think you could ask for three better places. Um, they're open seven days a week. They do a great breakfast. You're not crowded. You have place to talk and a table. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I actually don't think that sounds boring at all. I thought that was a great idea to differentiate the two meals even more. And it's hard when you go to think of a meeting to know where to go, you know. So it's kind of fun to be that part of a magazine where you're telling people, you know, why a lot of readers love about magazines is like, tell me what to do. That's what I came to us for. (laughs) What patio do I go sit on? So it kind of came full circle. Okay, so we always do this rapid fire. What's your favorite brunch cocktail? Okay, so my favorite brunch cocktail, which is super dangerous, is at NOFO. And it's an Irish coffee. And I don't know what they put in there. I mean, I do know what an Irish coffee is. But theirs is just very distinguishable from everybody else's in town and quite strong. And it's delicious. What's yours? Oh, I'm a Bloody Mary girl. I like the DIY bar at Clouds Brewing, which is coming back. It went away during COVID, and it is returning. And if you haven't had it, um, go and order it. They bring out a skewer that's got a big, huge piece of bacon on it, an egg, cucumbers, cheese. It's almost enough that with that drink and what's in the top of it is almost like a meal. It's like a Bloody Mary buffet, right? It is. Because they, they give you the vodka. Yes, they and give you the you, vodka and you mm-hmm. all you do is walk to the bar and they have all kinds of mixers, anything and everything you want. But I have found the perfect recipe to make my own. Oh, all right. We're going to go there. You can make yes. me one. And I also, I mean, obviously I drink a lot of Prosecco, so I love a good mimosa. And especially yeah. on brunch day, I love a cheap mimosa. <laughs> um, I'm a little disappointed that Stir did away with their dollar mimosa or $2 double. They've replaced it with a $5 double, but that's still a pretty good deal. It is because Coquette used to have the bottomless mimosas, but n- nobody seems to remember this but me. But I swear by it. And, I mean, they probably took that away for good reason. But So what's your favorite brunch spot and then the one you go to the most often? 
Um, so I guess my favorite right now is Hummingbird, and I actually did not mean to be giving— I mean, I love them, but I don't didn't purposely mean to, like, pile on all the love here. But for me, you know, I did that chicken and waffle tour, and I, I never actually said in it, but my favorite was 100% Hummingbirds. There's just something about—I don't like fried chicken— so this is probably like shocking uh, since I did a chicken and waffle tour. That should tour. be sacrilegious in North Carolina. <laughs> and the fact that I liked those five and like, anyway, this one particularly is like, I think it's cooked over a long time. It's very thin, very moist. So it's special. And then um, my, the one that I go to the most is Nofo. And yours? So the one I go to the most often is I have a, a date with my girlfriends once a month and we go to Midtown Grill and sit on the patio. Yeah. Um, and it's it's about girl time and the food is secondary, but we love Midtown <laughs> Grill and it's good. I mean, it's wonderful. It just means we like to be together and that's a spot that works for us. It's cozy and quaint. And- exactly. And we all we have a table and they know we're going to be there at 945 and they go ahead and serve us. That is early. Starts at 10. A.M.? <laughs> what time do you go to brunch? Noon. Who eats brunch at noon? That's lunch. Who does? Brunch goes until 3 p.m. I go at 10. Oh, boy. And I go at so funny. We should put that in the story. <laughs> and probably the one that I like the most um, and love the atmosphere and the food, and it's not a patio, but that's okay. I love Coquette. Oh, that Which is a good one. Which make reservations two or three weeks in advance for what you want there. Well, they probably have the best quiche in Raleigh, if uh, not one of I mean, Hummingbird's up there, too. But they, doesn't Coquette's, like, sell out? Oh, yeah. Our, I mean, when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. So that's I mean, why you have to get out of bed earlier. No. <laughs> Dig. Okay, so what's your favorite dish? And it can't be chicken and waffles because you've already said no, that. No, it's not, actually. So it's—I uh, was mentioning that Plates doesn't always have the same thing on the menu every week, but sometimes he has a breakfast quesadilla— and that probably sounds so trite, but it's not. It looks. It doesn't even look to me like a quesadilla. It's elevated. It has a lot of like fresh food on it, and it's the best quesadilla I've ever had. I probably wouldn't even call it that if I was the one writing the menu, just because it, I think what comes to mind isn't what it is, but it's delicious. What's yours? Huevos Ranchero. Oh. Which is getting harder and harder to find Impossible in Raleigh. Impossible almost. Uh, but La Santa has it. On mm-hmm. their brunch menu, and and I think you're, it's also your mom's favorite. Dish. It is, yep. So I, we might have to do a story on this because I'm constantly looking what restaurants have it. But Humble Pie has it, and part of what we did in our story that reminds me that I think will help people a lot is I spend my life. I don't memorize like who has brunch on Sunday or Saturday or who has huevos rancheros. So what we did as part of our story was say which days this the, our spots have brunch, and we also did a dish pick. And a public service announcement to restaurants, restaurant owners, update your hours. It's so yeah. hard. I mean, I get it, but we're at a pandemic. And if the hours on the website say one thing and your Instagram hours say another, it's confusing. I've right. gone to many places and they're not open or they aren't even open for brunch anymore, open later. So, And Google's wrong on always. most of them because, yeah, ever since the pandemic. And then I don't even know how Google gets updated, so I don't know who's responsible for this, but— that just happened the other day where something on Google said open and it wasn't going to be yeah. open for two more days. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely help us out. Yeah. Fun fun story. And I know it worked out. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for people to read. And the other part that we haven't talked about that's in there is our seven Bloody Mary picks. So I think that's definitely worth a gander. And I think you'll learn a lot about brunch and Raleigh and the history and what to eat and where to go. And all of our favorites. Exactly. Exactly.
This has been Office Talk with Raleigh Magazine. I hope after hanging out with us, you feel more like a Raleigh insider. You can find copies of our magazine around town or subscribe for $10 for 10 issues. We'd love it if you gave this podcast a rating and review and share it with your friends. This podcast was edited and produced by Earfluence. I'm Gina Stevens. We'll see you again soon. Want more of Raleigh Magazine in between issues? Visit RaleighMag.com and subscribe to our newsletters. They come out Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Five-minute read keeps you up to date. And especially on Friday, dish on this, where to eat, where to drink, what to do this weekend. Subscribe for free at RaleighMag.com.